Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you need to press reset in your life? Do you need some type of catalyst to change? Are you interested in the FIRE lifestyle? So that's that whole financial independence, retire early, so you're not tied down to one thing or another. Well, today on the podcast, I'm joined by Amy Minkley, and she's living her FIRE life. I was introduced to Amy via another podcaster in America, and I'm like, yep, let's get Amy on, let's have a chat. Because in this day and age, there are a lot of occupations and jobs that are remote that you can do from a laptop. It's not for everyone. There are plumbers that can't fix a drain via a laptop. There are nurses who can't care for people via a laptop. But can you listen to this episode and have a think about, well, what do I want my life to look like? Do I need to go overseas, perhaps Bali and press reset? Do I need to get some focus and redirection? So I have a really cool chat with Amy. She's living up in Bali, living the fire life. It's a fascinating discussion. And maybe next year we may do something as a bit of an M3 reset that you'll hear in this episode. But today we can't do this episode without Global X. Global X is our Thursday show partner. Did you know that the investment landscape shifts and changes over time? And it is key to being an informed investor. And now, thanks to GlobalX, you can dig into the data in their Australian ETFs landscape report, which showcases the Australian ETFs universe. Head to globalxetfs.com.au forward slash MMM to download your copy and be a better informed investor. Thanks, GlobalX, for supporting the Thursday show. Now, let's get straight into this. I hit record and I said to Amy, we're having a rolling start. So here we go. Amy about her fire journey. What motivated you to start pursuing financial independence and how did you get started on this path? I didn't know about the fire movement until recently. Three years ago, I found it. But I was a natural saver from a young age due to a childhood trauma around money. So my father left... um, and kind of ran off with a younger woman when I was 12. Um, he's a lovely man. We've, you know, since healed our relationship, but he did go through some years there where he wasn't providing financially uh, to my mom and I. And so that really had a big impact on me. You know, before the age of 12, my family had money, we had a lot of security, and then overnight that disappeared. And so I learned how to save. I bought my first car, I paid my way through uni in the US, which is, you know, more expensive. Um, than a lot of other places in the world. Uh, But, you know, it took me some time, but I I learned a lot through that process of saving to pay my rent, pay my uni fees and all of that. And so I I didn't really know about financial independence as such. I just was coming from this wounded place probably as a child thinking like money can disappear at any moment. I've got to pay my way through. So I'm going to be a great saver and, you know, pull, do it by myself the best I can. And so that I was 
after college and after I paid for, um, got out of school, you know, my, my motivation was always, how can I save to make myself feel safe? It was really coming from a place of security and wanting security, but not really saving with a particular goal in mind. I didn't know about the fire movement or financial independence as such, but I was, I was really just motivated. Like, how can I grow and invest, um, invest my money. So my mother, she didn't really know much about money. And when my dad left, then she had really had to educate herself and started reading all these investment books. So I saw that as a girl, like her coming from this place of panic and how can I educate myself? And I kind of relied on my husband and now I need to rely on myself and I need to educate myself. So I, I internalized that message like as a, as a girl and as a young woman, I need to educate myself about money. So I started also reading and then investing in low-cost index funds, but really never knew about early retirement, um, but just wanting to have that security. Awesome. And the cool thing about this, and we might talk about what you're doing right now, Amy, and then go back and unpack everything. But I wanted to talk to Amy because, Amy, you're actually living in Bali at the moment. So what took you to Bali? How do we get there and what are we doing right now? Sure. Um, I've lived in Asia for 20 years. I love Asia. (laughs) It is. I I moved abroad in 2001 and I thought I would be abroad for one or two years. I moved first to Japan and I absolutely fell in love with living abroad and the world. And I grew up, I grew up in rural Texas. So not many people where I come from traveled internationally and lived abroad. Um, But once I got abroad, I just saw how amazing the world is and how amazing Asia is. And, you know, I, I don't think I'll, I won't ever move back to the U (laughs) S. So um, I met my partner in Bali. He's Australian uh, from country Victoria five years ago, my fiance at this point, actually. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So um, I I traveled a lot to Bali when I lived in Singapore. I was there for six years and I've been to Bali a lot as a tourist, but I took two sabbatical years after um, I worked for a few years. After Singapore, I went to India for four years and worked there. And then I took two sabbatical years and I was going to travel Africa and I stopped in Bali and I took a personal growth course um, and really healed my relationship to my father and um, opened myself up to kind of dating because I'd been single for many years. And that's where I really decided, you know, there's so much more to Bali than I see on the surface that I saw all the times that I traveled here as a tourist. Mm. There's so much work I can do, you know, I mean, yoga and lots of classes and personal and professional growth courses. And so, and, and a community of amazing people who live here. So although I've lived in Asia 20 years and I love Asia and I've lived a lot of amazing places, I honestly never felt that I had a home. Um, Rural Texas no longer felt like home for me. I've changed a lot. And then when I came to Bali and I met the people who live here and who built a life here, I really felt a sense of community. And I really uh, decided this this is where I want to live. And um, then also meeting my partner. He's been living here longer than me you know, that was, that became my new dream life. Wow. And what part of Bali are you in? We're in Ubud. Awesome. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Love Ubud. All right. So you're big into fire and just for everyone's um, information, uh, Joe Saul Seahai, who's been on um, My Millennial Money before, um, he's got a podcast, Stacking Benjamins in the States. Joe emailed me, connected me with Amy and said, you've got to have Amy on the show. She's doing some cool stuff. And I just went, let's do it. If Joey's saying, you know, I've got to talk to Amy, I wanted to chat with you because a lot of us 
we want to do this fire. We want to retire early. We want to live life on our own terms. But sometimes it's hard to actually make that happen. And I don't know if it is everyone just pack up and move to Asia. Uh, but <laughs> what were some of the, I guess, biggest challenges that you had in, and I won't even say attaining fire, I'll say what were some of the biggest challenges that you had in building your ideal life now with the life that you are living? My biggest challenge was walking away from my job. Mm. Um, I think from that childhood fear around money and scarcity, it was very hard for me to leave my job. And it, it really, I hit a wall of fear and I had that one more year syndrome. Um, so walking away was very challenging. And I had, um, you know, working in international schools in Asia, they give you great benefits, you know, housing. And so that was part of the reason that I could save so much because they pay my travel home every year. They give lots of benefits. And so that, that becomes like the golden handcuffs in a way where it's like, I'm saving so much money here that it's, it's hard to, it was hard to walk away from. But I think, you know, I left New Delhi and I came to Bali as a sabbatical year that turned into two sabbatical years. And then I hit, even though I was beautifully, wonderfully happy here, I decided to go back to work at an international school and I went to Bangkok. And I think if I'd gone from New Delhi to Bangkok, I would have loved Bangkok. It's a, it's a great city. I do love Thailand. Um, but having two years and having more time freedom and being able to live my life more on my own terms, really, when I went back to Bangkok, it, it, I, I ended up in a pattern of overworking again, which was my habit. And um, I just saw that that wasn't my ideal life anymore. But, you know, and I, know I was there for two years, but still even hitting that, you know, two year mark, I was I kept thinking, okay, I want to, I was going to leave after one year and then I signed up for two years and I almost signed up for three. So that was one of my biggest challenges was actually walking away from the dependable salary that I was used to. Were you teaching English in the international schools or other subjects? I taught a mix um, over the years. I've taught social studies, um, English language arts and ESL as well. So I'm certified in three areas and I love them all. Um, so, yeah. Was education uh, in your background before you left Texas? So when I first graduated with my undergrad, I went to Japan. I taught four years in a Japanese high school and I was an ESL teacher there. I did not have a master's in education or a teaching degree at that point, mm. but I fell in love with teaching. And then I took a sabbatical year. I traveled a bit, but then I went back to get my master's degree in Oregon. And then I, I knew I, then at that point I knew about international schools, which is better money than teaching ESL, better benefits. And I also could teach a variety of subjects and I had studied history. And so I wanted also to be able to teach that. Um, so then, then I was really targeting teaching at international schools after. And so my time in Singapore and Japan, sorry, my time in Singapore and India and uh, Bangkok were all at international schools. Yeah. You may have well, you kind of did answer half of this and things may have changed, but I remember like, oh, maybe a handful of years ago, someone that I knew was teaching English um, in an international school um, outside of Australia in Asia somewhere, and they didn't have a traditional education background. Is it hard? Like, because I'm just thinking for our listeners who might have the flexibility to travel, that could be an idea of a pathway that they can travel and work and have all these cool life experiences, right? Yes, definitely. Um, I would say, you know, for people who don't have an education background, really East Asia tends to pay the best. So Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, 
um, and, you know, some places in China and really targeting the jobs that pay better generally. But I loved working for the Japanese government and that's one of the best. And I worked with lots of Aussies and, you know, Kiwis and all from all over the English speaking world. So it was really fun. And because it's quite a big program, it's called the JET program, J-E-T. Um, it's such, they bring 7,000 teachers per year. And because of that, I feel like there was a really great support structure. You know, they paid my flights, they paid my rent. Um, My savings potential wasn't as high in Japan compared to when I was in international schools, but I still saved. I mean, this was 20 years ago, but I still saved about 5,000 U.S. a year Mm -hmm. um, 20 years ago. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, that was a great experience because, you know, I had a history degree. I didn't have a teaching background and I was able to save and I had so much fun there. (laughs) Yeah. And and this is it like, yeah, COVID, you know, the borders are open. We can travel again. I I just want to encourage all of the listeners here on My Millennial Money. If you are in a bit of a, I don't know what I want to do with my career, and you want to maybe look to travel, I would so encourage you to look into international uh, schools and teaching English because even if there is a bridging course or something, I just think, you know, it can open up and give you the best life experiences and enable you to press reset on your life, right? Like if you're stuck in this rut and whatnot. So, Amy, back to this whole FIRE movement. And, you know, it, it can be polarizing. And there is an image out there that I live on no no income and I eat, you know, rice and beans only. And, you know, I'm going to stay at my job that I hate for 10 years and then save up and then, quote unquote, retire. What was your journey to say that I'm now doing fire? Because we know the cost of living in Bali is you know, much, much cheaper than many um, Western and developed economies. For you, was it a, in terms of the fire mindset thing, was it, I'm going to just save up a heap of money, invest it and draw down the income and live off that? Or was the fire thing more of a philosophy that I really want to do life on my own terms? And if that means reducing my income and my cost to exist, and I'm living in Bali, so it is possible, So I guess from that spectrum of heap of money drawing income to working and living in Bali, which is not expensive to live, like where did you sit on that fire spectrum? I feel like I really wanted to live in Bali. You Mm. know, it is is cheaper than Australia or the US, um, but I think even if it – it's still my favorite place to live. Yeah. Um, So, you know, partially it is – also my favorite, one of my favorite places to live because I can have a very nice lifestyle here and eat out multiple times a day and go to yoga every day and, you know, live, I think to have the same quality of life, um, in the West or a developed country would be harder. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, regardless of the money, I still would want to live here. And, you know, it, it did take years off my working career, Mm. you know, by deciding like, Hey, I'm going to go and live in Bali for, um, the foreseeable future, it really did cut down the number of years I want to work, which is huge to really have my life, like you said, Glenn, on my own terms and be able to have more time freedom um, because I, I never balanced work well. And so I had a lot of holidays as a teacher, but during the, the school year, I worked a lot. And, you know, I worked at a great international school that paid very well, but they also expected a lot. And I, I didn't know how to balance that very well. So I feel like I've gotten 
you know, there were a lot of wonderful things about that job, but I feel like I have a much more rich and full life here. Mm. And so I'm grateful for that. So for me, I think it's really more about the philosophy. And I never really felt that I, you know, deprived myself. You know, I was a good saver, um, but I, I did spend on what I value, you know, what I value. And I did travel a lot over the last 20 years. I mean, I traveled budget. I don't stay in luxury hotels and that's not a value for me. So there's, you know, I get that that is wonderful and a lot of people love that. But, um, you know, I did have a lot of life experiences during the last 20 years. So I didn't feel like I, you know, ate rice and beans and deprived myself in any way. Yeah, I was thinking this morning, you know, before I um, do certain types of episodes and interviews, I just kind of conceptually think about things. And so in our team, you know, and you met Rach before, um, you know, there's six of us in our team. And as a team, we have these uh, team values, right? And those values, you know, one of them is challenged directly, care deeply. Another one is always prepared, always agile. Like, and there's, you know, four other values. We have never arrived at our values. They're always aspirational. And I was thinking fire as that quote unquote movement is a very aspirational movement. Like we do want to set up so we are financially independent. And you probably don't know this, but I, I mentioned the life on own terms thing. Like my version of fire is loot life on own terms, because ultimately, if you hated your job and you wanted to work for several years and then save up and then retire, well, at that point, then you start your lifestyle business or that point you start your own business where I'm like, let's bring that forward and live on our own terms today. So I think the the whole fire movement thing, while it was aspirational and is aspirational, for most people, it isn't just work your ass off, save up about ton of money, then do nothing. <laughs> yeah. And I feel that the fire movement I, has changed a lot in the US, you know, because it started off very much kind of uh, with Mr. Money Mustache and how much can we save and, you know, really, really work hard. And I think, you know, if you're familiar with the mad scientist and, you know, there's a lot of people who've retired and they were unhappy initially and they went through this kind of dark night of the soul of like, what is my purpose now? And really, if you you know, I've attended a lot of fire events in the last year. I went back to the U.S. for a bit. I attended six events in, in nine months. And I, I really see that the conversations changed a lot, a lot more focus on purpose and the why of FI and what, how do I want to contribute? What's my legacy? You know, how can I balance spending on things that I value uh, versus saving, saving, saving? Um, a lot of people doing kind of the coast fire style, which is, you know, what I'm doing as well. You know, I don't want to just sit on the beach and sip my ties. That's really boring. I want to have a purpose and do something that I'm passionate about. And so for me, definitely, you know, I was a good saver, but I didn't know why. And it gave me the flexibility to try something new mm. and the courage, you know, even though I talked about hitting that wall of fear, if I hadn't had a nest egg there, I don't think I would have left. Mm. Um and some people do that and they're very brave, but I wouldn't have been brave enough. <laughs> so um, it gave me the, you know, life on my own terms, as you say, mm. Glenn, to leave my job and, and try something new and live where I really wanted to live. Yeah. And I think the whole fire thing, like I've had Paula Pan on the show and she's big on the whole, um, the fire without the RE, like let's just live with purpose. Because I was in a Facebook group the other day and I, I'm a financial advisor by trade. I've since stopped doing that and now doing the podcast. And you get the old comment like, oh, if the financial advisor was so good, why are they still working? 
And it's kind of rubbish because, you know, why is Warren Buffett still working? Why is the richest person in the world still working? Why is the professional sports person still working? Because money isn't the problem. They've got the money, but it's that purpose and that what am I doing every day when I wake up? Yes. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I, I'm grateful for 20 years international teaching and I loved it. And I wanted to try something new. And when I when I found the FIRE movement, living in Bangkok and being in that cycle of overworking, it, it felt like a life raft had been thrown to me because suddenly I realized I don't have to, I can try something new in my life. I can afford to do that, have a second chapter in my career. And really also longing for community because I was working in Bangkok during the pandemic and that was probably part of it. But really, no, you know, hearing about all these events in the U.S. and the FIRE community there and thinking like, how can I create community where I live in Asia. And so that that gave me the idea back in the pandemic, like I want to create, you know, these kind of events that are happening in the US over here on this side of the world for, you know, for Asian and Australian audience as well. Um, And then actually going to the US and attending all these events, uh, they were so much fun. And there was something magical about being together in person over multi days and really getting to know each other. And it is that like mindedness, isn't it? It's like, we all, like, and even a lot of the listeners, you know, the My Millennial Money Facebook group, there's almost 50,000 people in there. And, you know, we've all got one thing in common and we all want to be better and do better with our life and our money. Now, everything else in our life and our views and beliefs and all that is after the fact because we can all come together and say we want to be better with our life and our money. And I just think the sense of community is awesome. And I'll ask you a little bit more shortly about the event that you're going to do in Bali. But as a random question, what does your partner do and what has his philosophy been? I guess somewhat the same, given that it was an Aussie living in Bali, but what's uh, what's he do for for his day? Yeah, he, um, well, he set up his life in Bali basically purchasing one property in Brisbane that did really well, was very centrally located 25 years ago, and he's been living off the income since then. And he recently sold it because he was just tired of managing it internationally, especially during, you know, when the borders were closed and trying Mm. to not being able to get back to Oz to manage to see it and do all the maintenance that it needed to have. Um, But he's, he's been living off that income and he's been writing a book. So he, he loves, he loves Bali as well. And, um, yeah, his days mostly are spent writing. And, uh, yeah, we've just got a beautiful community around us, too. So we feel like we're surrounded by, you know, our chosen family and wonderful people, inspiring people, a lot of entrepreneurs here. Yeah. So it um, it's I feel like I've got so many mentors around me and people that are doing great things. And it just opens up the world of possibility to what can I create, you know, in the yeah. world. Wow. What um, just for practicalities with foreigners living in Indonesia, mm-hmm. how, like what type of visa situation, do you have to do a border run every three months or um, do you have some type of residency? How is that working for you guys? For us, we take, we do a border run every two months. Yeah. Um, and there are other processes you can, you know, there are visas you can pre-apply for and come in and stay for six months at a time. You know, if you're retired, if you're, you know, I think it's, you know, a bit older, maybe 55 or something for yeah. sure. You know, you can get a retirement visa. Right. Um, I don't mind living every 
two months. I mean, often we're going to Oz to see family or I'm going to the U.S. because my dad has some health complications or I love running over to Singapore. I lived there for six years. I've got lots of friends. I just went up to Thailand to see friends that I lived, you know, that I knew from the pandemic, those two years during the pandemic. So for me, it's kind of having a contrast makes me enjoy things more. So if I'm only in Bali for a year, um, I might not appreciate it as much, but going somewhere else and then coming back, I enjoy it more and I appreciate that place more. And then between visiting family and that as well, um, it's okay to, you know, and there's a lot of cheap flights all around. So I, uh, I feel like I don't mind doing the visa runs. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, we'll take a quick break. And when we'll come back, I might ask Amy about some other money things. We'll be right back after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, we are back. So living in Bali, it's the envy of a lot of people uh, who are listening to this because, you know, for those who have been to Bali and, you know, other parts of Indonesia, it's just such an amazing place. In terms of your work, so you are still doing teaching via correspondence. So you teach um, students in California, is that correct? Yeah, I teach a, I teach some students on Zoom. I do some coaching for students who have ADHD um, and actually, I got that job. I met I met a guy who runs a company at, at one of the fire conferences, <laughs> and I went to that conference and ended up with the job. At you know, after meeting him, um, so that was great, and it gives me a lot of flexibility to work, teach a few hours in the morning, and you know, I really, if I teach one student a day, I've made my living expenses. Wow. So, um, you know, and that allows me to eat out and go to yoga and do all the things that I want to do. Um, I have cut back on that a bit because I'm a planning event, so I'm not teaching one student every day, but it just allows me to draw down on my cash cushion more slowly. Um, I haven't wanted to pull money out of investments since the market's a bit low now. Mm. So mostly I've been living off my cash cushion when the market's low and later I will pull out, um, some money out of investments. But at this point I'm kind of living on a combination of some income coming in and some cash cushion as well. 
Yeah. So at the moment, yeah, you've answered my question. You're living on some income and some cash savings. Uh, outside of you organizing your event, would you be trying to live on 100% of what you're earning and then any surplus you would be investing or you know doing other entrepreneurial things? Like what are you doing ordinarily outside of uh, the event organizing? As far as investments, you mean? Yeah. Yes. At this point, this, you know, these years, these couple of years, or I guess, I guess I left my job about a year and a half ago, I haven't invested much. Um, I think last year I just invested about $5,000 only. So I, um, I don't have a lot of surplus income for investing. I feel that if I can cover my living expenses and I can let my nest egg continue to grow in the market without drawing down anything and, you know, have the dividends reinvested, um, you know, that will just continue to multiply. And as long as I can cover my cost of living here, I'm not too worried about, you know, maxing out investments and all of that. I think I did that kind of earlier in my career. And so hopefully that will just continue to grow, you know, with, you know, with dips in the market and doing what the market does, but over time it'll continue to grow and I can draw down on it later. Yeah. It's so fascinating because it's such a different personality type to go, I'm just living in Bali and leaving every two months and I, you know, you just so, and I'm using my hands just to try and express this to people like you're just so living a rich life that aligns with your values, which is all well and good. My question would be like you and your partner, have you guys had the chat and I'll just make something up here when we're 70 years old or 75 years old, will we move to Australia Will we move back to the States? And I'm just thinking for practical healthcare reasons. Um, what are the, some long-term plans for someone living in a, a situation like uh, you're both living in? Yes. Great question. Yeah, we'll move back to Oz. Right. Oh, yeah, I have easy. no desire yeah. to live really. I mean, there's some nice places in the US, but I, I prefer Oz and mm. he does too. Um, yep. And so, and also the healthcare is much better as well. But even if it wasn't, I still would prefer to live in Oz. So, um yeah, that would, you know, I don't have a partnership visa yet. And so that is something that we need to work toward, you know, um, down the way. I mean, I, I imagine we will be living in Bali for, you know, the next two decades. Who knows, really? But um, we might go to Thailand sometimes. I mean, last year we experimented with Mexico and we lived there for a few months. Um, so we are trying out different places and seeing if there's some place we might like better than Bali. But I think Bali is really the place that we've enjoyed the most. Yeah. Yeah. So, but definitely in the future, you know, with healthcare needs, uh, I think Australia would be the place we want to live. And it's interesting to think about, you know, the cost of, you know, sometimes it is, you know, we, that is a concern, especially for Americans, because we don't have the same social net that you guys have. But, you know, for a lot of people, costs do, do go down sometimes as people age because they're not as active. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it is. But I, I feel secure with where we're at, like between my savings and his savings and those investments working for us. I feel that if we did have health challenges later or some bigger expenses, I feel like we, we could manage those. So realistically, as, you know, a couple, and I'll just make an number up, over the next 20 years, we might have to have in in the background, you know, in today's dollars, we need to save maybe five or six hundred thousand dollars. So when the time comes to move back to Australia, we can effectively buy a house with cash. 
So that's a real goal that you'll need to be considering. Because I always, when I talk to people, Amy, it's like we always need one eye on today and one eye on the future, right? Yes. Because we can't do either at the expense of the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and it's, it's something we've talked about as well because he just sold his property in Brisbane and he's debating about how to reinvest that cash and he's tired of being a landlord. So he's not really wanting to reinvest it in property. And truthfully, I was like, oh, I love, you know, that property is a great property. I kind of don't want to sell it. But but he was tired of it. And I get that. And I'm glad that he's free of it, you know, for the time being. Um, but it is, you know, that is something we've talked about is, is it better to buy something now and have, you know, I don't know if he, he doesn't want to be a landlord now, but, mm. you know, because, because property in Australia is so expensive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, the the good thing is like because uh, of both of your careers are somewhat remote, like when you do move back to Australia in 20 years or if you had to tomorrow, for example, you don't have to buy a house in Brisbane, Sydney or Melbourne. It can be in the region. So you might be able to get that low cost lifestyle without the cap, the huge capital expense, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. What would you say to somebody who might be listening to this now thinking I was like the Amy who didn't want to quit my work and felt that I was stuck because a lot of the time like we can hear these amazing stories and think how could someone do that? I just could never do that. What are you saying to the to the person now who's listening in Adelaide or Perth and they're on the way home from a commute for like on the way home from work and what do you say to someone who wants to have a life built like Amy? You know, I, I feel it's important, you know, and I, I feel like, you know, each person is different, but I think it's important to get quiet and really check in with yourself and with where you're being guided with your own intuition. And for me, it's the quiet voice that I try to listen to. You know, I have a very busy mind and a lot of fears come in and what if this and what if that? And it's, it's a very fast talking, loud mind. And, you know, for me, when I was hitting that wall of fear, there was a lot of uh, internal debate that was going on. And it really took me listening to this quiet voice that speaks in a whisper and really called my heart to, you know, what, do, what, how do I want to live my life? Because, you know, I'm, I'm only, you know, young once. And the reality is I'm getting older every year and there's less things I can do, you know, as far as climbing, you know, huge mountains and all of that kind of thing. So, I feel like sometimes taking, you know, like for me, when I left New Delhi and I took one year that turned into two years sabbatical, it gave me a new perspective. Mm. And this career that I loved that was wonderful, and it was in a lot of ways, I saw people in Bali or entrepreneurs and doing different things and living life more on their own terms, a, Mm. a, a perception of my life can be better and I can design something even different and even wilder and more incredible than I imagined. So I feel like if there's a way for this listener, you know, that you imagine in Perth or Adelaide, who's driving home and thinking, you know, I'm really not happy with my job, um, but it gives me security. If there's a way to take a break, it doesn't have to be firing forever um, and quitting your job forever, but, you know, have some time to really reflect on your life, to get quiet, to listen to that intuition. um, I would say, take the plunge. You know, I was a little nervous even when I when I stopped working in Delhi. You know, there was always there's should I go to another international school immediately? Will I be unhirable if I take a year sabbatical or two year sabbatical? And my experience was actually, you know, people love that. 
um, I had no problem getting another job in Bangkok. So it's, it's attracted to a lot of employers to see this different life experience. So, you know, there was a fear, like if I take time off, I wouldn't be able to get hired again. But I think if you take a little break, it gives you a different perspective and it might, you know, lead you to find some business idea you never consider that really is aligned with your passion. But um, life is too short to not live your best life and to just to work in a job that feels like a grind or doesn't really nourish you. And I think what if I've been saying this to my team and listeners and to myself lately with a number of issues, like it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Can you say to your work, hey, I would like to take some extended leave. And what if you took a couple of months off? You know, this might require you to save some money up and have a bit of a, you talked about the cash cushion and just put a plan together, whether it's this year or next year, like I'm going to have a two month career pause and I'm going to go to Bali. And even I was actually thinking, because I do want to talk about your retreat, the five freedom retreat that you're doing in Ubud, could that be, you know, and it might not be, but let me know, could that be a catalyst for someone who's quote unquote in their rat race and wants to change to go, I'm going to draw a line and line in the sand. I'm going to try and book in a month off work, go to your retreat in Bali, spend a month in Bali. And some of that time is at the retreat. Like would your retreat, I know it's for like, you know, fire conference and fire people and all that stuff, but could it be a catalyst moment for someone to press reset on their life, career and goals? Absolutely. Um, for me, when I, when I came to Bali, it opened my world to possibility. Just seeing a different way of how people live, how they make money, what's possible, how I could design my, my day and my life. Um, it was a reset for me. And so taking that pause, like you said, and that's even better, you know, you don't even have to quit your job. You can just take a pause for a month or two. Because it's not all or nothing, is it? Yes. We're just trying not, it. Mm -hmm, exactly right. And and I feel like, you know, that's what you mentioned earlier about the fire movement getting a lot of flack because a lot of people work, 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 save, 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 and then they quit and they're not happy. And there is value in taking these little mini sabbaticals or mini retirements, trying out a life and saying, oh, would I like living in Bali? And what would the community be like? And do I feel nourished there? Or maybe it's some other place, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's back in Oz, you know, but until you try it, you know, you don't know. And so I, I do feel like that that is a huge value. And a lot of my retreat is designed around not only, you know, we are going to be speaking about the nuts and bolts of money, but a lot of it's about, you know, life design and living with purpose and contribution and, and community, you know, are, those are some of the core values of my retreat. So it's, um, it's really about intentional living. Mm. Are you capping, and I've just pulled it up here on the website, um, and you can go to firefreedomretreats.com uh, from the 27th of September to the 1st of October this year. So you've got time, everyone, if you want to take a trip and try it. Um, Except it's sold out <laughs> at this point. Is it really? Yes, it sold out really quick. It sold out really can quick. Can you do another one? <laughs> yeah, I am planning another one for 2024. And wow. I am trying to secure a few more rooms. I do want to keep it intimate. Um, yeah. I'm actually going to Camp Musta. I'm going to three more events in March and April um, and May. I'm going to go back to the U.S. My father had a stroke, so I'm also supporting oh, my family with yeah. health issues. Sorry um, to hear that. No, that's, you know, that's also one of the beauties of FI. Is, mm. And that, that prompted me also to quit my job is, is knowing that I want to be there more for my parents as they age and also, you know, my partner's parents in Melbourne, outside Melbourne. Mm. Um, so, 
you know, I am going back to the U.S. And anytime I go to the U.S., I'm hitting all of these, you know, conferences because I love them so much. Um, but yes, it, it did sell out really quick. And I do plan to have another one in 2024. And I am also looking to secure a few more rooms, although I want to keep the, the group um, intimate and a, a place where we can really grow rich relationships. Yeah. But I, I think if your listeners are interested in coming, go to the footer on the website, sign up for the mailing list. And as I release, if I'm able to release any more rooms, you know, they'll be the first to know as well as um, future events in 2024. Yeah. Well, okay. All that aside, you know, I can't sell people your retreat, um, <laughs> but I can still encourage people like, because you probably are not aware that we just released a career book. Okay. It's called Sort Your Career Out. I'll I'll try and get you a copy because it's a good tool. But like for me, the reason we did the career book and the career podcast, we've had so many questions from young people in their 20s and early 30s about what do I do with my career? What do I do with my life? Because it's no more school, university, job for life than out to pasture. Like the production line, the factory work, that is pretty much gone. So we need to press reset and live life truly on our terms. And we can do it. Family might say you're crazy. Your friends might think you're weird. But at the end of the day, if your life is working for you and you're like Amy, you spend on your values, you travel and you don't need luxury. Like I'm more of a Sofitel guy, if you know what I mean. Like (laughs) if you like that, like do it. You've got to tell everyone else to shut up. This is my life and I'm doing it my way and I love it. Yeah, no, great. I mean, that sounds like an amazing book and I totally agree with you. And I feel like having those moments to reset are so important Mm. Um, because otherwise, you know, I felt like I could just go down the same path, you know, because I'm used to it. It's familiar. I've got the blinders on and I can only see what I can only see. And until I kind of lifted myself out, took a break, saw other possibilities, you know, I, I would probably end up at the end of my life thinking, oh, there's things I didn't do that I really wish I would have done. But taking the time away from my job and taking time to really reflect and listen to my intuition allowed me to to take some older chances and really design my life on my own terms. Yeah. So given that your retreat sold out and I'm still encouraging everyone to go to Bali or go somewhere and do a, a bit of a retreat yourself, like just today as we're recording this, I sent an email to our team members here and I said, these two dates as a team where we are setting these dates aside. Okay. So we're going to do it on the Wednesday and the Thursday because we don't work Fridays. We do a four day work week uh, in our team. So Wednesday and Thursday, we're calling them personal development. You to find a nonfiction book or online course or something. And you're not allowed to be at your desk. Like you've got to be at a cafe, a library, go on a road trip. If you're listening to an audio book and listen to that with intention to learn a few things. And then on the Tuesday, you we're all going to present to each other after we come back, a presentation of three to five things that I've learned, and then a summary of what I'm going to implement into my life. So because we can't have the fire freedom retreat, can you on purpose say, I'm going to Bali for even two weeks. And the sole purpose is to, for that trip to be a circuit breaker and I'm going to invest into me. I'm going to get some clarity. And if you in a situation, you might have some friends. What about you organize a trip with some friends and just do your own little schedule? 
the morning we all do personal development solo, then we come together for lunch and do activities, but do stuff with purpose. Like I'm all for going away and laying on the beach and all that stuff. But if you are in a crisis with your career and life and you know, you're not happy with this rat race, you need to be strategic to set the time aside with purpose for it to be a, some type of circuit breaker reset. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that um, that's one of the nice things about Bali. And I, you know, I also lived at Copenhagen, um, Thailand. And when we chose a place to live in Mexico, we looked at um, Oaxaca, Mazunte, uh, because these are specific places that have a lot of personal growth, uh, professional growth opportunities already. So, you know, if I don't, because for me, sometimes it can be hard to, I gain more when I'm in community. So I gain more when I'm going to these fire retreats in the U.S. and when I'm going to different classes in Bali or Copenhagen, Thailand or Mazunte, Mexico. Um, there's something about the accountability of a group or a community that is very helpful and helps me to to be strategic, as you say, Glenn, or to, to have purpose on my, so it's not just a holiday laying on the beach or drinking beers or whatever. It's it's really gives me that time to really think about how do I want to design my life intentionally. Mm. And that's it. Like we are so fortunate, um, particularly, you know, everyone listening to this, we're so fortunate that we do have the access to this type of encouragement and this type of um, inspiring voice in your ear. Like I'll champion anyone's goal. It doesn't matter what the goal is. If it's legal and ethical and all that, I will encourage you to go for it because you can't turn around in 10 years time and say, I wish I did. You are living in the you of tomorrow today. Do the favor of you of tomorrow today. And Amy did it and she's designed a life that suits her and her values and happens to have a partner who has the same values, which is awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we've talked about a lot and uh, gone in a, a few directions. Is there anything else that you'd probably want to um, maybe encourage people from your story or any other talking points or fodder or anything like that that we could finish on? I guess I would encourage people again, and I've already shared this, but just to take the plunge. You know, I mean, you do, you do it in a smart way and you have some savings and you, but as Glenn said, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, you know, just take the plunge, even if it's only two weeks or it's a month or it's two months off, whatever you can um, take. I think time in reflection and thinking about your life and how you want to live it intentionally, you will never, ever regret that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really when we look at what, and when I looked at myself and what do I value and what really makes me happy, it is having more time. It's having time with loved ones. It's having time to pursue my passions and my interests and live life on my own terms and also contribute giving back. And that's one of my focuses now too. Um, even with my retreat, you know, I'm giving back to Bali because I've been so touched by the Balinese people and this island that I really want to have a positive impact. And I want to bring people here and show them like how lovely these people are and how they live their life um, in community, um, and they're happy, you know, in, in my experience, they're so warm and, you know, they do their daily prayers and ceremonies every day and they're always clearing and they're, um, that's one reason that I particularly love Bali of all the places I've lived is just the warmth of the people. Um, so I, I, I think this time of reflection is so important and just to take the plunge, you know, listen, get quiet, listen to what your heart is calling you to, and Mm. then take the chance. Yeah, I've actually just um, 
taken my own advice, quote unquote, um, my family, my sister and her kids, they're going to, to Bali in June for a week. And I, um, I said, look, I'll come along and I will, um, don't tell the kids cause they're like, <laughs> Grace is 11 and the boys are nine. So I'll, I'll be surprising them when uncle Glenn's staying at the same resort. Yes. Um, but they're only staying for a week, but I've extended my stay just an extra <gasps> week because yeah. I just want to just press reset, have a bit of a break from, you know, the day to day. And then also, yeah, do a bit of focus and maybe some self-learning and because it's so important to get out of the routine of life because man, the routines that will just keep on keeping on, but you've just got to be so intentional with designing your life and it might not happen overnight, but move the needle ever so slightly. And I know what direction I want to go in. I don't know all the details, but I know the, the general direction and you know, that a, a little getaway and a reset might be the the direction that you need in your life. Definitely. And yeah, it's great that you're coming here. I mean, look me up when you're here. It'd be great yeah, to have definitely. a coffee I'll together. I'll, um, yeah. We're staying at the, it's not very, um, it's not very Amy budget. Okay. You don't no, value the W at Seminyak, I know, but. Oh, awesome. <laughs> great. No, and it's it's nice to have nice holidays too. So. Yeah, we will. Um, yeah, I might flick your message because what I usually do when I go to Bali is hire a scooter for the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might even just scoot up to Ubud and we can have a coffee and. Yeah, hang out. Be cool. Great. Be great. Awesome. Well, we might leave it there. This has been a great encouragement. It's just so cool to speak to someone who's built a life with intention and purpose. And it might not have felt that way when you were doing it, but at the end of the day, you're waking up every day and it's in line with your own values and purpose, right? Can I say one more thing to the listeners is, um, you know, if your listeners, you know, I mentioned signing up if they want to know more information about Fire Freedom Retreat, but also, you know, on my contact page, if they have a question, they want to follow up, they, you know, want to know more, they're coming to Bali, they want to do some personal work and they, you know, I'm, I'm happy to help any of the listeners with that. You know, I've also lived in other parts of Asia. Um, so I'm, and done a lot of travel in the region. So, um, feel free to reach out to me on my contact page, ask me a question. I love to be in touch. I love to help people, you know, design their life and live their adventure and have their best life. So I'd love to be available to people. Yeah. That's awesome. Would you ever do like, um, if someone's like, Oh, I want to come to Bali and just do a a one day reset. Is that Mm. something you would charge and facilitate if your capacity like allowed that? Definitely. Yes, definitely. I definitely would do that. I mean, there's, yes, for sure. I've, I've, um, it's funny, all the people that are coming over and I've already bought tickets, you know, I've been kind of helping them and some of them are coming for several months. So I've been organizing things for them, but yeah, Yeah. definitely. I would be open to that one day reset. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, I I wouldn't want to ever suggest you work, uh, for free, but, and that's why I'll say like, if you want to reach out to to Amy to, and if you are serious about pressing reset on your life and you want a third party to help facilitate that day, pay Amy, pay, pay someone, just get a third party to help you press reset. So, and it's so weird, like we ended in a different spot to what we started, but I think what I'm getting out of this is that you, you have control of your life or a lot of areas in your life might not be possible for everyone and your version of a reset might be different than the person next door's version of a reset but symbolically 
sometimes we just have to press reset. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's so worth it. Well, thank you so much, Amy. And thanks, Joe, for uh, introducing us. Uh, Amy's website is firefreedomretreats.com. F-I-F-R-E-E-D-O-M-R-E-T-R-E-A-T-S.com. We'll put a link in the show notes, anyone. Amy Minkley, thank you so much for joining us on My Millennial Money. Thanks, Glenn. I really appreciate you. And thank you for creating such amazing content and spreading financial literacy in the world and in Oz. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.